You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrgs.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. To all of you, good morning, beautiful and precious people of God. So good for us to be together again. And you are, in fact allowed to say good morning to me too. Thank you. Otherwise, it gets very lonely up here, you know. Good morning, everybody. Uh, We're here to worship God, and we're here to gather around God's Word and say, God, speak to us. Um, Speak to us, and, and that really is, in fact, our prayer. So today is a special day. It is in the ecclesial calendar, uh, so the church calendar, if you will, today is what we call Palm Sunday. It is that day where we remember and we, and we read the stories and we remember the day where Jesus with his disciples uh, rode into, entered triumphantly into Jerusalem. Uh, the day where, where the crowds and in fact the disciples no doubt had this great expectation that this is that moment. It is finally, after all these years traveling with Jesus, we have now come to this crescendo. We've come to this moment, and this is it now, where Jesus is going to once and for all free us from these horrible, pesky Romans that have oppressed us, and once again, the nation of Israel will be restored, and this is that moment, and you can imagine the excitement in the air, and palm branches are being waved. It is, uh, I've explained to you the significance of the palm branches before, so I'm not going to do it again. I've got to talk about other things today. But this is that moment. So picture the scene. Say, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, allow my, uh, my imagination to kick in now. Jesus and his disciples coming into Jerusalem. But instead, what we read is, uh, Jesus gives instructions uh, to, his, to Peter and John, and we're going to read it just now to go and, 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 and prepare a meal. But Jesus goes, he goes to the temple, you remember, he throws out the money changers, you remember that scene up turning, uh, turning over the table. So this all happens in this, w- what we call Holy Week, leading up to Easter weekend, and um, Jesus then, and so what would happen in this week then also, around the Thursday or so, the priest would would get some lambs, they would slaughter the lambs, they'd roast the lambs, it would be given to families and um, to go and celebrate Passover, the Passover meal. And uh, this is also why Jesus said to uh, Peter and John, go and get things ready, because I'm, I, I'm, I'm really excited to share this Passover meal with you. And so on the Thursday, they, they go to the upper room and they sit together uh, to celebrate uh, this Passover meal. Except that year, that moment, this week that we've come to now remember and celebrate turned out to be a Passover meal like no other. And we're going to have a look that. Let's read a little bit from that story. It's found in Luke's gospel, chapter 22, verses 14 to 20. When the time came, Jesus took his place at the table, and the apostles joined him. And he said to them, 
So now they gathered around the, the Passover table. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you, I won't eat it until it is fulfilled in God's kingdom. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I, I'm excited to, to share this meal with you, and I'm not going to do this again until it is fulfilled in God's kingdom. After taking a cup and giving thanks, he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves. I tell you that from now on, I won't drink from the fruit of the vine until God's kingdom has come. After taking the bread and giving thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the meal and said, this cup is the new covenant by my blood, which is poured out for you. So this week, friends, uh, you will know as part of our a theme of come to the table, uh, this week we, on Thursday, uh, will be having a Passover meal as a church community. A Seder meal, it's also known. That's a word that was added later. Seder just simply means um, order, that there's a certain order to which things happens within this Passover meal. That's what Seder means. And so as a church, we're going to be having a Passover meal. Uh, now, the reason we are not advertising it is because it's already full. <laughs> it's it's uh, over full, in fact. Uh, so we, <laughs> we're not announcing it. But what I thought was many of you are going to miss out. And so in today's sermon, we've set up the table, and we're going to go through the story of the Passover meal. I'm going to explain some things to you. And I'm going to explain to you what is so significant about this passage so you will know what we've been doing as a church community. We've been reading through Luke's gospel, focusing on those moments where Jesus had meals with people, broke bread with them. And we saw that those moments always turned out to be revolutionary, transforming, changing lives. Now today, we come to what is probably the most important meal of them all, that we refer to as the last meal, the last supper. And we're going to have a look at that and see. And the fact that, just that the, so theologically speaking, the way Luke writes, and that he says, and I will not do this again until it's fulfilled, until it's fulfilled. So what, talking about the future, right? It's that very thing that makes this meal and what happens there of great significance for you and me here today. So what we're talking about is not just some historic event that has got no bearing on my modern day living and life. But the things we speak of here today, you and I are drawn into it. It's speaking to you and me here today. It is most definitely relevant for us today. So we're going to look at this Last Supper. Interesting side note for you. If you look at John's gospel, a quarter, 25, 25%, a quarter of John's gospel is in fact dedicated to this Last Supper. 
Five out of the 21 chapters of John's gospel is all about this Last Supper. It's important. And we're going to have a look at it. And what makes it so important is not so much what happens there, but what is said there. The things that Jesus say that night in the upper room with his disciples. As he was leading that meal, the things that he said that we've just read just absolutely changed everything. That's why John spends so much time unpacking it for us. And that's why it's so relevant for us. And that's what we're going to look at. So let's see how the story started. It starts in verse 7. Well, I'm going to start reading from verse 7. So here's the beginning. It begins with, a day, the day of unleavened bread arrived. When the Passover had to be sacrificed, Jesus sent Peter and John with this task, go and prepare for us to eat the Passover meal together. Now you'll remember, I've said to you before, how Luke writes is significant. Every word, every phrase that Luke uses in the telling, on the painting of the stories is significant and is deliberate. So what's the first thing you and I need to know uh, that Luke wants us to be aware of? The first thing he wants us to notice as we begin to read the story about the Last Supper is Luke wants us to know the timing of it the historic significance of it, the cultural significance of it. So he wants you to know that this Last Supper is, in fact, a Passover meal. So he wants you to know that this is not just any old meal, any day of the week, any time of the year, that they just gathered in the upper room and, and just having a meal together. Luke wants to be very sure that you and I know this is, in fact, happening at the time of the year where Jewish people are gathering all from all over, villages everywhere, towns everywhere, families are getting, getting together to celebrate the Passover, remembering that time when their ancestors were slaves in Egypt, but God had delivered them and God had set them free. It's this time of the year. It's that meal, that meal, the Passover meal that we are talking about. The Last Supper is the Passover meal. And Luke wants you to know it. So we are going to, let me explain to us. Because when those first readers read that, oh, hang on a minute. This Last Supper is in fact a Passover meal. They, they understood what's going on here. They understood about the Passover meal. So let me give us very quickly a bit of history. So over 1,300 years before Jesus was born, the Israelites found themselves in Egypt. And initially things were going well. They were prospering and, and life was great. But then eventually they found themselves enslaved and oppressed by this horrible old pharaoh. You know that the Egyptians of that period and later on embarked upon great monumental building projects. And what happened was that the Jewish people, the, they were used as the slaves to make bricks 
and they were oppressed, and to use, they were used as slave labor for these great building projects. And they were crying out, and life was difficult, and life was hard, and they were crying out to God, God, have you forsaken us? We are oppressed. We are suffering. Our lives are broken. Our hearts are broken. It's miserable to be alive. We cannot carry on like this. Will you please save us and help us? And the Bible tells us, this is all in the Old Testament. You can go read it. Um, God heard their cries and raised up a man by the name of Moses. And he said, Moses, you go to Pharaoh and you tell him, let my people go, set them free. Moses did this, but old Pharaoh wasn't interested. And so God sends the ten plagues. And you will remember about the ten plagues that, uh, you know, each one was more severe than the previous one. Eventually, uh, God said to Moses, right, listen, here's what's going to happen. Um, you need to, there's going to be an angel of death that's going to move over the land and the oldest child in every family, so the firstborn, will die as a result. So, but what you need to do, Moses, you need to tell the people they need to get a lamb, slaughter this lamb, take the blood of this lamb and paint it on the lintels and the doorposts of the homes. These Jewish homes and this angel of death will pass over their homes. And that's what happened. Because of the blood of the slaughtered lamb on the doorpost of their homes, death did not come to them. And so they do this. But Moses says, listen, you're going to go to, uh, God says to, to Moses, you're going to go to Pharaoh and he's going to let you go, but you need to hurry. You need to be quick because he's going to change his mind eventually. So there's no time for things. There's no time for, uh, to let your bread rise. Eat your bread quickly. Slaughter lambs quickly. Pack. Get ready to move very quickly. And that's what they did. And you know the rest of the story. And, and, and uh, God, uh, uh, Pharaoh set them free. God saved them. And so, but what God also said is, Moses, from now on, Every time, every year, you must tell the people that they must have this meal, this Passover meal, to remember, to remind themselves of what I did here. Of this, and here's, here's, it's important to remember this, so that you can remember this event that has come to define you as a people. This was a defining event moment for the people of Israel where we were slaves, but God freed us. So every year we will eat this Passover meal and we will remember what God has done. And the Last Supper, Jesus in the upper room with the disciples takes place at this meal. Jesus would have led this meal. They would have gone through the elements of that meal, remembering how God had set them free from slavery. Well, they came for one kind of meal. They got a whole nother kind of meal. So let me, what I wanted to do, because it's already full and many of you are going to miss out on it, uh, what I have here is I have uh, some of the elements that would have been in that upper room with Jesus and his disciples. And I want to quickly go through some of this with you so that you get a sense of what would have happened that night. So first of all, there would have been uh, these four cups. Now, it would have been pottery, but we couldn't get pottery, so ignore the glass. 
pretend it's pottery. Four cups, four chalices. And they really served as like a toast to God, thanking God for His promises and what He has done for them. And each of these toasts, each of these cups was a reminder of a specific thing that God had promised and God had done. So they would start off with, you know, the first one, you know, toasting God, thanking God, remembering that God said He will, he will deliver them from Egypt. And, that, um, and so it went through the four cups where it ended with uh, uh, remembering that God said, you will be my people. So they would go through these promises and they would, there'd be verses and there'd be things that they would say. But then there was also a fifth cup that nobody would drink from. And this cup was known as Elijah's cup. And the thinking was, or the Dutch, the Bedoeling, <laughs> was, that, was that right? The meaning, the meaning of this fifth cup, Elijah's cup that nobody would drink from, would be, look, the belief was that Elijah would come the day before the Messiah. And so we're going to have this cup here, but now hang on, just you remember we've spoken about this. As Christians, we believe that John the Baptist was that Elijah who came before and then Jesus ushering in the messianic age. But our Jewish friends do not believe this. And so at the Passover meal, they have Elijah's cup. Nobody would drink from it. And the idea was just simply that um, they would pour this cup and it would be there. And the hope was that maybe this is the year that Elijah would come and take his cup and drink from the cup, thereby ushering in the messianic age. And so they had that cup ready there for Elijah in case he comes this year. And they would do other things so they'd like leave the door open so that he could get in and stuff like that, right? So we had the cups, toast to God, remembering the promises of God. Then we had, um, uh, they would have had parsley. Let me get some parsley here. Uh, it's a bit verlep now, but uh, we, we've, we've got some parsley. And it is, um, but is that a Dutch word? Oh, great, okay. It was an Afrikaans word first, I'm, I'm just saying, but anyway. <laughs> and um, so they would take some parsley green, and the green was really just the symbolism of the green, uh, and it would have probably been parsley, that when we started out in Egypt, things were, things were good, it was green, we were flourishing, and it was actually happy times, but then there would also be on the table salt water, and I've got salt water here, and so they would take the parsley, and they would dip it in the salt water, and they would take, and they would bite it. Mm. Okay, that's not good. Um, and the idea was they would dip it in the salt water, and um, <laughs> lovely. And they would dip it in the salt water, and the salt water was representing symbolic of the tears of the people being slaves, and also for the sweat from their brow as they were working as slaves, making br making mud bricks, and so that. Uh, as they dipped in the salt water, they would remember. See, because this meal was done in such a way that but the, but the intention was that it transports you back so that you would feel, and this is important. Sorry, I've got parsley coming out everywhere. Um, so that you would feel like, this is me. I was there. I'm, I'm part of this. It wasn't just 
my ancestors, but it was me too. And, and the idea is that as you take these things and, and you dip it in the salt water, you would feel the pain and you would sense kind of the agony of, of, of those gone before and how they worked as, as they cried to God and as they sweat uh, to make these bricks, that you feel th- this is my story. I'm there, I'm part of this. This is about me too, not just those who have gone before me. And so they would dip it in the salt water, the Parsi. Then, of course, we had the, uh, we had the unleavened bread uh, and just really symbolically reminding them there wasn't time for the bread to rise. And so uh, they had unleavened bread, reminding them that they need to be ready to move quickly. Always be prepared. Always be ready. You don't know what tomorrow brings. Don't wait. Be ready. As they would eat this unleavened bread. And then, of course, there was um, a bitter uh, uh, vegetable, a bitter root, horseradish. So they had horseradish on the table. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Right. Gets up your nose. And it's part of the it's part of the symbolism, it's part of the meaning that as you take this bitter herb, as you take this horseradish, that you remember just uh, but this bitter herb, you remember the suffering of those who were who found themselves oppressed and under slavery, living with broken hearts and crying, and just life is a misery. And as I take this miserable old horseradish, I remember the misery of those before me. Then there was a sweet mixture as well. It was, and I'm not going to eat this, uh, but this was a combination. It was made of raisins and apples and honey, and it was made to look in such a way that it represented the cement, the the mortar, that as they take this, they would remember uh, the ancestors making bricks and the mortar that goes with the bricks. And then, of course, there was a lamb bone, and, and um, my family enjo- and I enjoyed this um, in the week, uh, this uh, lamb shank. It was good. But th- there would have been a lamb bone to remind themselves of the lamb that was slaughtered, to remind themselves of the blood that had to be painted on the doors of their homes and the doors of And this was set up in such a way that as you take this and you drink this and you eat of that, that you would know, that you would remember we were slaves, but now we are free. It's not just the story of my ancestors, but it is my story too. I'm part of this. I'm participating in it. And this is what was happening in the upper room that night. And as they are doing this, and as Jesus is leading this meal, something dramatic happens. They come for one kind of meal, they're getting a whole different kind of a meal. Jesus now takes us and he changes the meaning of it completely. 
Remember, the disciples had no idea that Jesus was about to be arrested and then crucified the next day. They had no idea. Jesus understood this. And so as he's celebrating this meal with them, he says to them, in this meal that symbolizes deliverance, this meal that has come to define them as a people, from now on, from this moment on, this meal will point to an even greater act of deliverance. Pointing to me giving my life. The sacrifice of the, the, sacrifice of the cross. And saying, this is my mission. This is why I'm here. I, listen, this is not about setting you free from Egyptians or Romans. But I'm here to set you free from a far more dangerous enemy, from a far more dangerous empire, from a far more dangerous darkness that will oppress you and, and will enslave you in a way like nothing and no one else can. And that is from the oppression and slavery of sin that will destroy not just your yesterday and your today, but the slavery of sin will, will enslave you and destroy your tomorrow. And it will destroy your forever. And Jesus says, as he takes the bread, he says, from now on, this will be my body, my body, broken for you. So that your sins might be forgiven. Setting you free in a way like you have never been before. And then he took the cup somewhere in the meal and he said, and said from now on, this is my blood. Poured out for you. For the forgiveness of your sins. Thereby implying for the disciples and for all of us here, you are not free. Yes, your ancestors were set free from Egyptians, but actually you're not free. You're enslaved by your selfish nature and your sinful desires. That is what's oppressing you. And the sinfulness of others. That's what I've come to free you from. And he changes the meal completely. Can you imagine the disciples there that night? They must have gone, what? What's happening right now? Looking at each other. And he says from now on, whenever you take this meal. And so that's what communion has become for us. As New Testament believers and Christians, it's in, in that sense, our Passover meal, if you will. He says, from now on, remember, not that, remember me. Remember me, remember what I have done. And the word remember there, I've explained this to you before, is the word anamnesis. And what anamnesis means, it is, it's not just a, it's a very specific kind of remembering. It's the kind of remembering that this is, where you act things out, why, wh where I'm remembering it in such a way that I'm doing it. 
I'm living it. I'm participating in it. I'm part of it. And he says, from now on, when you take this, remember me. So let your very lives, it's a kind of remembrance that's incorporated into how I live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and especially on a Friday night. <laughs> it's remembering in such a way that it changes me. takes this meal and he transforms it and then the way Luke writes by drawing it he wants us to be clear to understand this is not just some past thing that Jesus did or that happened way back thousands of years ago but it points to the future it draws you and me in in the year 2022 we are drawn in we're part of this and this is changing and freeing us for all of eternity into the future forever. And can you believe in the midst of this? So, th- so this is what's happening. Look what Luke said happened then next. As this is going on, An argument breaks out (laughs) about who is the most important and the greatest amongst the disciples. What? As this moment where Jesus is saying, I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to the cross. My life is, I'm going to die because I'm going to be that lamb that you remember. I am that lamb. It is my blood that will be painted if you accept me and give your life to me on the doorposts and lintels of your heart, of your life, so that your sins might be forgiven, that you might be free indeed. As this is going on, the disciples argue about who's going to be the greatest and who's right and who's wrong and who's the best and who's not. Well, it makes sense, actually, because that's what we do. That's who we are. It's precisely why we need the Lamb of God to set us free. Because whilst people are dying around us, we argue about face masks. Yeah, that's what we do. Where there is a war of the horrendously horrific evil around us, we argue about the end times. And politics. So while this life moment is before them, the disciples argue about who's right, who's wrong, who's the best, who's number one, who's not. And here's what Jesus says. But Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles rule over their subjects and those in authority over them are called friends of the people. But that's not the way it will be with you. Instead. So now understand, connected to this revolutionary moment where Jesus changes the meaning, speaking about the cross, connected to that, what does he want to teach us? I, I, I would imagine it would be fairly important what he's going to say next. Wouldn't you think so? Here's what he teaches. Instead, 
the greatest among you must become like a person of lower status and the leader like a servant. Connected to this moment, Jesus reminds us, do you want to be great? Then go to the back of the queue. (laughs) Wash feet. Serve. That's greatness. And I want to say something to you at this point, church. I have been so impressed with how you as a church community has decided to be great by serving and giving. You remember I told you about Pastor Vadim. Remember? One of the pastors that we support in Ukraine, in the southeast of the country, where things were getting really bad, and we have given and we have helped and we've served Vadim. Well, in this week, Vadim was like, uh, the situation's getting really bad. We need to get out of here. We, we just can't anymore. Well, Vadim, come. We will help you. Vadim goes, well, I'm not going to come on my own. I'm not going to leave my, my, my sheep. I'm their shepherd. I'm not going to leave my church. I'll only come if my church comes. <laughs> Bring the church. So yesterday, Vadim and his church arrived here. So here's the thing. Leading up to this week, we as a church community, many of you have served, have washed feet in that symbolic sense, have painted a hostel, have cleaned, have swept, have made beds, have made things look pretty and given food and donated food so that when they get here, they can be fed. That's what this church has done. So they are going to be here at the second service today. (laughs) In the midst of this incredible moment, Jesus chooses to teach us about what greatness looks like. And greatness, he teaches us, is about living and loving sacrificially. Loving God with everything and loving your neighbor as you love yourself and treating people the way you want to be treated. That's greatness. You want to follow me? Well, do you know where I'm going? I'm headed to the cross. Who, who wants to be followers of Jesus? Well, uh, do you know where he's going? To a place of sacrifice. And love to the utter extreme. And in John's gospel we read, that is how the world will know that you are my disciples, by how you love one another. And so thank you for loving our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Thank you for loving and serving and sacrificing in every other area of the life of this community cooking food and meals and welcoming, setting up chairs and all the rest of it, making coffee afterwards, 
giving for your finances. That is the gospel. That's living the Jesus way, the Jesus life. By loving sacrificially in such a way that you can have life. Because that's what this meal was about. That's what Jesus did. He loved in such a way, even if it meant giving his life so that we can have life. And so that's the Last Supper. That's the Passover meal. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.